Well, hey, everybody. Season's over, and welcome to Bear Insider, Ultimate Insider Podcast. I'm Mike Pulaski, former 11-year pro and Cal quarterback. Today, we are going to do a season review, and we have all of the big timers here to join us for this. Um, from Greg to Jim, uh, guys who've been following the Bears forever, all about this season. We got the full film review uh, from Greg, and so we're going to get into that. Uh, but right now, let me introduce these guys. Uh, Greg and Jim, say hello. Hey, everybody. Great to be with you. How's it going, guys? Good to talk Cal football. So today, we're going to go over offense. We've been talking about doing an offensive and a defensive review. We're going to mix in a little special teams on the defensive side. But today, it's going to be all about offense. Uh, and in second year, the offensive coordinator, Bill Musgraves, offense, obviously a, a dramatic improvement in terms of numbers, a non-COVID season, mostly. Uh, but a, an improvement this year, but we're going to talk about it position by position, kind of group by group and individuals as well. And I'm going to kick it off where it always starts. And we're going to start on the offensive line because everything on offense has to center around the big boys up front. Greg, uh, as the grand poobah and the guy who did the film review, by the way, awesome film reviews week in, week out. Talk to me about your take on the offensive line this year for Cal's offense. Yeah, you know, it, it was a funny one, Mike, because um, obviously we expected to have a, a fifth-year senior and the captain of the offense back leading the offensive line. But when uh, Mr. Saffold decided to hang it up for uh, medical reasons, um, that was a big blow. And, and frankly, I think expectations had to go down. But, you know, you, you look at the whole season, you look at the line that came together, and as purely as a run-blocking line, really impressive. I mean, they consistently opened holes. We had, I think, three running backs average over five yards of carry. And we, we had the ability to kind of establish ourselves at the line of scrimmage that we hadn't seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, I agree with that. I think losing Saffold's huge. I love, I love Mike. He's fantastic. Uh, great offensive mind. Great leader, you know, as a guy going into his super senior season who's going to be pretty special when you lose him. And that's obviously a big blow right away. Uh, I do think they ran the ball very well this year. We heard some criticism about not running the ball enough, and there's always criticism when things don't work. But I thought they ran the ball very well this year. Jim, what's your take on the O-line? Yeah, the running game was a lot better than the, the passing game was, obviously. I was pretty bullish on the line coming into it because it looked like for the first time in a long time there was going to be a lot of um, pretty fair quality depth. Um, obviously – Stefel not coming back was it was a big blow. He was the captain of the line and and other depth guys. You know, General Williams was a guy that you didn't know if he's going to play or not. But at least the ability to come in and and take some reps when needed would have, would have been helpful. I was hoping Braden Rum would have been a little bit more recovered from his injury in the spring, but didn't look like he was at full strength this year. But really, the interior of the line I think was some of the best that we've seen in in quite a while. Uh, once they they made the move with um, moving Coleman into the starting lineup and and moving uh, Cindric over to the tackle position and the tower um, inside on the right, those guys were pretty consistent most of the year. A little bit of trouble path blocking here and there, but and, and Craig obviously having him back was helpful until he went out. Um, unfortunately, Daltosa had to play with an injured shoulder, which has been the case so often during his career, whether it's a shoulder or ankle or both he's been a warrior for this team all these years playing hurt yeah no doubt so overall i think the the line was a, a fairly pleasant surprise just would have liked to have seen better 
consistency in the pass block. And there were a few games where things got away from them. Other games where they, they blocked pretty well in the passing game too. Well, and, and you talked about it, you know, injuries are a huge piece of it this year in that it was never like we had, we had depth, we had consistency, but, but the injuries really hamper what you can do on that offensive line. Uh, the, the huge loss fell to start, but then Will Craig gets injured. I, I like Will Craig as a tackle. I think he's really good. He's athletic on the outside. I think he's got the right mindset to it. Um, but once he gets injured, you know, and, and he hasn't finished an entire season yet for his whole career. And so that's a little bit of a worry for me. But, but I like him as a tackle when he was healthy, really good. As you point out, Doltoso playing with an injury and really playing out of position. You know, Dal, uh, Val is, is – love him, great dude. He's a guard by nature. And so to put him out there at the tackle uh, kind of shortens your edges a little bit. And so, you know, guards are great with help. When you get a tackle, you know, a guard out at tackle, it's hard to be out there on an island. That's why it's such a high-profile job in the NFL. Those guys on the outside, they have to take on the best pass rushers down in, down out. And when you get a good speed edge rusher who has a couple moves to his game, it makes it really tough at that outside position. I thought Cindric, probably our most consistent guy uh, week in, week out, all season long, except for the one COVID game. Uh, he was there. He was in the lineup. He was doing things. He actually filled in as a long snapper uh, when the snap wasn't going great. And so he was a guy who was the most consistent on that offensive line this year as well. Greg, thoughts? Yeah, you know, one of the big things I was encouraged, if you think about Musgrave's second year, and you think about him establishing his system, and it starts, as you said, with the offensive line, there was a physicality to the offensive line and an ability to kind of maul, especially you saw it in short yardage situations and the ability near the goal line to get some, some running touchdowns, which frankly had kind of been missing from the Cal offense the previous couple of seasons. That was super encouraging, and I think that lays a foundation for – you know, the kind of offensive linemen they want to recruit and personality and the kind of the culture of that group is just being, you know, road grader, slobber mouth guys. And that was great. I think the side that was a little less encouraging was blitz pickup. Some of the quicker teams that were doing more stunting, Washington State, UCLA come to mind. The group never quite figured out how to get its blitz pickup together. And it put a lot of pressure on the passing game. No doubt about it. And, not, and then in blitz pickup, it's also simulated pressures, too, where teams would show a pressure but then run some kind of twist. So stunts and games up front, those kind of things were a problem all year long. And it's, it's really – it's the MO of college football these days and that everybody's going to run some of these sim pressures. They're going to run, you know, some kind of pressure that involves stunts or twists up front. And you have to be able to sort all that stuff out. I, I talked to Angus McClure during the year and I was like, how do you guys like sort out when you got, got coming two gaps over on a twist up front where you're bringing a nose tackle and then an end stunting all the way back or using linebackers on a twist? How do you figure all that stuff out? And you have to, to be proficient on offense, you have to pick that up or you have to call plays that you have the hots or some kind of look off of it that you can adjust for it. And, and picking that up, being better at picking those up would be great. Now, again, it's just a second year for this offense with Bill Musgrave. And so I think as guys evolve in this and you have the veterans who understand it better, I think the younger guys are going to get it too, because they're going to have to catch on. They're going to see it in action. Jim. I'm, I'm curious from both of you guys, whether you think that particular aspect, you know, the complexity of picking up all the different stunts and twists and different kinds of blitzes that are, you know, we're now seeing kind of NFL style exotic blitzes in college football, whether as great of a season as Cindric had, and, you know, to me, he was the MVP of the offensive line, whether the loss of big Mike in the middle, exacerbated some of those either communication challenges or, um, you know, the real-time coordination the O-line has to have to pick those things up. 
Go ahead, Jim. I'll let you feel that. Driscoll moved in to start at center early in the season. The lack of experience there obviously was was a negative, and moving Cendric there stabilized it. He would have been essentially kind of a rookie at the center position if he didn't get forced into the, the center position the previous year when there were so many injuries too. So he at least brought some experience and, and a, a little bit of little bit of experience snapping the ball and calling the plays. But yeah, that that's uh, that's one of those things where they probably didn't see so many stunts and twits and exotic things in prior years and might have come into the season a little bit less prepared for it, especially thinking they would have had Safel there to be able to, to make the play calls. I, I have a feeling that's going to be a big point of emphasis in the offseason for these guys and for, for Angus, getting them ready for that, because in every other area, they pretty much performed admirably. And it's one of those things, too, that when it's effective, you invite more of it. So if they're getting home, if they're getting pressure, if they're moving your quarterback, if he's not, if your quarterback's not completing passes, when you're getting those kind of looks, you invite more of it as well. I think anytime you lose a, a player of Safel's caliber in terms of experience and his ability at that center position, you lose a lot up front in communication, in confidence and all those things uh, and, and in leadership on the field. So, you, you know, it's hard to tell what it would have been with him in there. But when you lose him, you definitely lose something up front. Now, I'm not going to say – I mean, I thought Cindric did a great job. So I'm not going to say it was a communication issue or it's on the center. But I think that having Safel would have definitely added to that offensive line this year, no doubt. Okay, let's move on. So one of the things – and I was talking to um, Jeep Chris the other day, and he, he gave me a little quiz. He said, name the top three tight end using teams – in the Pac-12 this year. So I, I'm, I'm going to throw that out there to you. What were the top three teams in terms of using the tight end, like total tight end snaps? If you have three tight ends on the field, that's three tight end snaps. Which teams were the top three teams in terms of using tight ends this year in the Pac-12? I'd be shocked if Cal wasn't number one or number two on that list for sure. Um, uh, let's see, who do I think is was second and third? I would say Washington, one of the top three, and then I'm going to go Utah. Okay. You got a guess? Jim, you know, I, I, I think along the same lines too. Yeah, I don't think there was dominant tight end play with anybody, but that that sounds about right. Yeah. So my first thought was, my first thought was because they historically have been there. Stanford, right, popped into my head as as total tight ends, but Stanford was like number eleven this year, and you can see kind of where their offense has gone as number eleven. Cal was number two. Uh, Oregon State, I think, was number three, and Utah was number one. And so it was right there in, in those three of teams that, that used tight ends all the time. Because remember, Oregon State always came with that two tight end set all the time. They had Musgrave and Vittoriano on there, out there yeah. all the time. But I think using those tight ends and giving that look at Cal, I think that was a big difference maker. And the fact that it's a really deep position for Cal, I think, helped them, especially in the run game this year, not as much in the passing game, as I expected coming in. But when you have guys learning a new system, getting more tight ends on the field, it's going to be a little bit of a growth curve. I'd like to see more in the passing game. I thought Jake Tonjes was great. I just cut a video for my YouTube channel the other day uh, with Tonjes versus cover four at TCU where you get that big catch down the sideline. But I think that I'd love to see more production in terms of the passing game out of that tight end group. Tonjes was really underused. I'm sure Greg would agree with that too. He, he really had a lot of success against the Cal defense in, in fall camp. And they utilized him a lot up the middle, which was virtually non-existent this season, which I, I don't understand at all. He, I think that was a missed opportunity there. 
you know, one of the things that showed up in film review this year, week after week, if there was a big run play, um, including the called runs that, that Garbers had, the tight ends were making big blocks. And it was, they were consistently blocking well. And not just one guy, it wasn't just Tonjus or, or Moore, or Reinwald, Nick Alton was in there. Uh, it was a great group of blocking tight ends. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's something that's often missed, but it's, uh, you know, kind of an extension of the offensive line and that run game we were talking about a minute ago. The tight ends played a really big role. My sense is, and I know we're going to talk about quarterback play in a minute, but Chase was the part of the field that I think Chase at the toughest time was between the hash marks. And that's where tight ends make their living. And when the pocket's not as clean as you might want it to be, or, you know, you're struggling with, with your eyes a little bit as Chase did from time to time, the tight end gets forgotten. And I think that's why we didn't see the utilization of the tight ends as much in the passing game as I think we will actually next year and going forward in this offense. That's a fantastic point, Greg. And that you have to throw the ball to the tight ends, right? As a quarterback, you learn to, you start to fall in love with a guy when you have a couple successes, you throw the ball down the middle, you get them in tight coverage, they make a play for you, those kind of things. And then you start getting the ball to them more. And Chase was hesitant to throw the ball down the middle of the field. As you pointed out, there were several times you, you studied film every week. I studied film every week where we had the opportunity to get the ball down the field. Maybe it was a little bit of a tight window. Maybe it wasn't a super clean look, but the, but the potential was definitely there. And we just didn't throw the ball. So we'll talk about quarterback. We'll finish off with quarterback here today. But, uh, you know, I think we, we will get more production out of tight ends moving forward. As this offense evolves, as, it, as guys get used to the system, you're going to see more tight end output because they're such a big part and they're such a great mismatch these days in college football. We talked about stunts, twists, you know, blitzing, nickel packages. Who do you match up with the tight end? Do you match him with the linebacker? Well, then you're beat physically because of speed and because of the ability to, to play the ball in the air. If you match him with the safety, well, then you're beat with size and with physicality. And so it makes a great mismatch. It gives you opportunities to move the ball down the field, to take shots, you know, you know that, that kind of explosive range, 14 to 20 some odd yards, uh, a comfortable thing for a quarterback. If you've got a tight end that you trust, it's great to just kind of get back. I don't like anything else. Get to that tight end and let him use his physicality to catch the ball. So I think that will – that will start to evolve as Bill Musgrave and the offense gets set in terms of what they do. Let's move outside to receivers now uh, and talk about that Cal receiving group. What, what our thoughts were on those guys this year, Greg, I'll start with you. It was a veteran group, right? Um, you had a guy that had tons of reps in the, in the program with Nico Romeo and Kakoa Crawford and, and then uh, Trevon Clark on the outside. And look, you know, Again, the limitations of the passing game, some of which you can put at the feet of the pass protection from the offensive line, some of which you can put at the feet of Chase. Um, those guys weren't maybe as fully utilized as we would like, but what we saw was a lot more explosive plays, very few drops, and them being very effective in blocking on run plays as well. It was a really good and underrated uh, blocking group of, of wide receivers. Jim? No. I thought we would see a little bit more of a mixture of some of the young guys with the, the veterans, but as it turned out, the lion's share of the production came from the same guys from Romeo and Crawford and Clark. One thing I was pleasantly surprised with is Clark lived up to his potential this year. I think I, I, maybe he didn't achieve it fully, 
but he came a whole lot closer than he did earlier. He was consistent catching the ball. He, he generated the big plays that this offense desperately needed in the past. And he came up with here and there, but not nearly as consistently as this year. I would have liked to have seen Hunter more involved. Uh, he's, he's a real weapon. He only had 21 catches this year. And I know he was injured some, so that limited him to some extent. Um, I think when you see him play more, you're going to have a, a lot more of a, an explosive offense. Sturdivant, it was a shame that he was hurt so much. His hand was in a cast a lot of the season. So he really wasn't a viable option a lot of the year. And the times that he did get his chances, he dropped a couple balls. And he had a couple that were really tough balls to, to bring in that he was really close on. So it's hard to see, you know, how reliable he's going to be in the future. But on the surface, he seems like a, a, a big weapon. Um, I'm really anxious to see some of the young guys get more involved. Um, I'm a huge fan of Tommy Christakos. A lot of people don't know him. They think he's just a red zone guy because he's tall. But if you watch the guy in practice, he stretches the field all the time and he's got really reliable hands and he's a long strider. So he gets by defenses and he doesn't need to, to be by him much to be able to complete tough contested catches. Um, so he's a guy that I like a lot. I, I like Baker a lot too. I think he's a lot in the mold of Romijo, but he might have a little bit more plus size and athleticism. Um, looking forward to what, what he'll be able to do in the future. I like Maven Anderson. It just, there just wasn't room for him to play much this year. Um, a couple of the guys they have coming in are going to be interesting to add to the mix too, but I, I like the passing game this year. I just, I would have liked to have seen it be more consistent. And a lot of that falls on, on Chase's shoulders because he just didn't have the, the ability to adjust to pressure situations. So that, that shut us down and, you know, close to a third of our games this year. So I don't think we saw as much out of the passing game as we could have. Hey, Mike, yeah. before, but before, ahead, you, before you jump in, I want to tip the cap a little bit to Earl Toller because I really thought if you look year over year at the development of those returning senior receivers, they all got meaningfully better. And let's talk about Trevon Clark just for a minute. He's a skinny guy. He's always, you know, quick, smooth runner, uh, can jump a little bit, but he struggled to get off press coverage. And he struggled to make contested catches in the past. Not the, the biggest or strongest guy. And his everything from his route running technique to his increased strength led to him becoming the big play threat that we saw this year. I agree 100. percent I'm a huge fan of BT Burl Toller. He's a good coach. He's a great dude. Uh, he's a great recruiter, obviously, with the talent that Cal's gotten in. And so I think he's a huge asset to this Cal staff. Uh, and he's a cow guy, you know, I, I got to work with him, coach with him, throw him routes, you know, because when he was playing here, I got to throw balls to him. So that was always fun, you know, seeing a guy like that who who gets to that next level. But he's a fantastic coach. Um, Trevon Clark, to me, was the I won't call it a surprise, but he was like the biggest plus because I remember games TCU where he caught two passes for like 137 yards. He averaged 60, you know, eight yards a catch and then there were several games where I was looking at his average and it was over 40 yards per catch. And so he became that big play receiver that the bears needed this year. And I, a huge part of that was the way that Billy was coordinating the offense in terms of making that first shot, the shot, the passing game is, is it has to be the perfect chemistry between play call protection, route running quarterback timing, footwork in the pot. Like everything has to click. That's, that's where all the gears in the machine have to be on the same page uh, and have to be working precisely to make those things happen. And especially with what defenses are doing these days. And so uh, Javon Clark being the big play guy, Billy finding a way to make him the first shot, big play guy was huge. Uh, I expected more out of Kakoa Crawford 
but again, I can't put it entirely on Kakoa because it has to do with protection sometimes. Sometimes it has to do with route running. Sometimes it has to do with the quarterback making the decision. And so it has to be perfect in there. I really wanted to see Remigio catch a lot more balls this year. And every week that I talked to Billy, I got the, we're, we're trying to find a way to get him more balls. We're trying to get the ball there. And again, same process, route running, protection, quarterback, you know, backs in the blocking scheme, like all those things have to come together for it. And so I know that they were earnestly trying to get him the ball more. Uh, situations just didn't work out where they were able to get him the ball. In terms of Jeremiah Hunter, I think he's a special talent. I think he, when you watch him on film and, and he's young, so this is just a critique for what it is. He, he ran some stuff like a young receiver. And so what happens when receivers are young is they're impatient. They don't, they don't have the patience to develop their route or to set up their move with a good release or to set up their break with a nice stem. And so you saw some of that young receiver stuff out of Jeremiah Hunter this year. I expect him to be phenomenal, you know, as, as a receiver throughout his career, I expect him to be a phenomenal football player. Uh, really good. I love Christakos. I think he's in the mold of Ed McCaffrey. I would like to see him get on the field more, but again, situationally, it just wasn't the opportunity, right? How many games were the bears close in? How many games were they, was, did it come down to one play? And so when you have that, you can't throw all the bell, bells and whistles out there on the field and, and guys don't get to develop the same way because you're in it, you're grinding, you're trying to figure out how to get that win. And you're going with the guys who you know, who have experience, who you trust. Um, and you're not trying to throw a whole bunch of new stuff out there. And so I'd love to see him. Sturdivant's going to be great. He's got to overcome injuries, right? Got to get through that. And he's got to be a guy who's dependable every down guy. Uh, and I think the young receivers, Baker is going to be really good. I think there's some real speed there. Maven Anderson, real speed uh, in that group coming up. But this year's group, Again, it's a, it's a combination of everything, protection, quarterback play, back play, uh, timing, route running. The one thing I would like to see better next year is I would like to see more separation. When versus Washington in particular, early on, they had two good corners. We weren't getting great separation. And so Billy had to dial up plays that he could use picks. So if teams were good enough to play man, then the separation wasn't definitely there. Zone teams a lot more openings, a lot more holes. But if teams lock it down and played man, which means they could bring pressure and we couldn't get the separation, we were in trouble. Yep. Yep. I'll, I'll make a couple of quick comments. I think Hunter was by far the most talented wide receiver that we had that, that played this year. I, I think it can't be uh, said enough. There, he, he's, he's got a special sense of size, speed. His quickness off the line for a guy that his size, I think, is unique. Reminds me a little bit of Sean Dawkins, who you played with with Mike in terms of his ability to stick the foot in the ground and make the press corner go the wrong way. And then he's crazy strong. He gets his hands on a DB and his slightest little nudge and he's creating separation. He's got a very, very bright future in my mind. The second thing I'll tell you is that the coaches started to let me know that once Sturdivant got healthy, that they couldn't keep in front of him in man coverage in practice. There was nobody that could check him. He was running by everybody. And that's very promising. When you got a guy who's 6'3 and ran a 10'3, 100 meters in high school, and he's doing it on the field, you know, I, I think we're going to see the, the, the overall talent and the ability to get the separation you talked about, Mike, go up significantly just from the physical talent that's going to be in the wide receiver room next year. And, that, and this offense takes a little while to understand, to learn, 
where you're not just a situational guy too. So those young guys getting reps, getting the experience, hearing the verbiage, learning the language, that's a huge bonus the last couple of years uh, for them to be around it. And I agree with you. I think, I think speed more than anything is going to go up in the next couple of years. I like Kako. I liked his size. I liked his jumping ability, but top end speed, he wasn't the fastest guy out there. Javon Clark, he was the deep guy, but he wasn't the fastest guy in that receiving core either. And so speed, especially is going to go up. Jeremiah Hunter, he's going to get stronger in the off season. Like he's going to, he's, he could put on speed, not that he has to, but all those things, they're going to work all those skills in the off season. So you're going to see an even better version coming back next year as well. And then if those guys stay healthy, the one point you made, Greg, which I love, they were for the most part, physical downfield, at least trying to get blocks, trying to block for the running backs uh, and make something happen in the running game. So there was a sense of pride there for the receivers as well, which is great. And which takes us right into running backs. We'll talk about that running uh, running back position. I started with you last time, Greg. Let's start with you, Jim. Give me your thoughts on running backs this year. Well, you know, I, I went into the season really bullish on the the running back depth, and I I mentioned in a press conference to Musgrave about the depth that being almost unprecedented, and he kind of poo pooed it a little bit and said, "Yeah, we've had guys like Javi Best and Justin Forsad, and that's hard to <clears throat> hard to compare." But I'm, I wasn't talking about the top end, you know, NFL talent guys. I'm talking about a room full of guys that can get the job done where you can have a guy injured and not have a drop off. But even as bullish as I was, I never anticipated having a running back room where every single running back would be over five yards per carry. And, you know, Brooks had the least carries of the bunch, but he averaged nine yards per carry. Dancy averaged over six yards per carry Brooks and, and, uh, and more um, street, they all averaged over five yards per carry. That that's astounding to me to have five guys be able to do that. You, you, you lose the most experienced guys in the group, um, Chris Brooks and, and Dancy, but um, you bring in a couple of young studs to supplement that group. And you also have depth and their walk on Ashton Stratic that people have heard a lot about and haven't seen a lot, but he's a guy that I'm telling you, if he gets a chance, he's going to open some eyes. It's, it's hard to believe they're going to have six running backs again with great skill sets that are going to be able to get the job done. And, and uh, it's a tremendous testament to the job that uh, Aristotle Thompson did with these guys and to the interior of the Cal line, actually the whole line in general, to be able to open the holes for them to do that. Yeah, none of those guys do anything without the big boys up front. So right. you know, hats off to the big boys. And, and I agree with you in terms of like total depth. When you talk about depth, that running back room was deep this year. You went back to the other running backs, you know, Forsett and Best, Marshawn Lynch and um, Shane Vereen. Like you, you, there was always two, right? There was always two guys. On occasion, you'd have three. We had two both years that I was there. We never had six. Like it was, there was never six at that tailback spot. Uh, and this year, the Bears had six guys literally that could have played uh, and played well in that running back room and based on injury, you know, who was going to see the field and who wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't as big a concern as you would normally have in a running back room like that, Greg. Yeah. You know, the depth was exceptional and the productivity was exceptional. Um, you know, one of the things that I think was a challenge is that because the passing game wasn't consistently great, we did have some games where we generated some explosive plays through the air, but it wasn't there every game. The lack of a game breaking tailback in the running game, um, was was a little bit glaring. And obviously it's something that, that feels like that was a priority in recruiting. And we added two dynamic, incredibly fast running backs coming out of high school that will join the team next year. 
Um, but but you felt that missing at a time. We were a bit more of a, you know, plotting. Maybe you might get a 15, 20, 25 yard run, but you weren't going to take it to the house. And, and that was the missing dimension in that deep running back room that I think is going to change next year. Now, that said, I think Damian Moore is an underrated running back. Um, there is something about a guy whose sense of rhythm and timing, patience to set up the blockers, vision of where the hole is actually going to be created. And then he runs really low to the ground and he's strong with great balance. You know, it reminds me a lot of like CJ Anderson or even a, a poor man's Marshawn Lynch with his ability to create a wide base and not go down when he's hit. Um, you know, it's awful to see the fumble problems hit him late. But I think he is a really solid move the chains running back that's going to marry really well with some of the dynamic, faster guys that we've added to the roster for next year. I agree 100%. I think Moore was an absolute stud uh, because of the depth. Well, first off, they didn't put the ball on the ground very often. Like we set a record this year for total fumbles for that Cal offense, one of the all time lows. And so they didn't put the ball on the ground, which is huge for a running back group. Now, because of that depth, when Moore did put the ball on the ground, he ended up missing the rest of the game because there was plenty of dudes who wanted to carry it and turning the ball over was a no-no. And so, but he, he is the special guy who can run the ball, great rhythm, great sense of timing, the ability to move, to cut, to find the hole, excellent vision. Uh, but he's also great in the passing game. And so he gives you versatility, both catching the ball out of the backfield and helping in protection. So he gives you versatility to that spot. And I really like him as a running back. I think you know, a lot of these guys, speed for game breakers, you know, coming in. I think, I think the running back room going forward is a nice place to be a coach because you've got the talent there uh, to make something happen. If you just give them the X's and O's, they're going to be pretty darn good. Uh, so, all right, we're in the backfield. We, we've kind of got through everybody else. Let's talk about that quarterback position. Uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up after that. I will start in the quarterback position uh, and then I'll close in the quarterback position in that Chase, uh, I, the whole four years that Chase has been here, uh, had the opportunity to watch every single snap of film that he's been here. And I like Chase. He's a great dude. And I think he did everything that he can within his talent, within his power uh, to do to be effective. I think his numbers were sterling, but the, but the numbers that you miss in that are the throws that he didn't make. We talked about a little bit where guys open downfield. He maybe pulled the ball down and ran it instead of taking that shot downfield. I'm not sure that he fully trusted himself at that position. Um, I think there was a little bit of pressure anxiety. Maybe that was from, you know, in his earlier years, the pressure that he used to see in that offense. Uh, and so I would have liked to see him do a little more in terms of making the big throw down the middle of the field. Now he made some huge shots. That TCU game was a clinic film. The Stanford game was a pretty good game for him in terms of execution. The Oregon state game was a great game in terms of throwing the ball down the field, but there were shots that were that mid range shot that he needed to be a little more comfortable in taking those shots. And he wasn't. And because he was such a talented dynamic athlete, he used his physical skills running the football and he knew he could rely on that much like Steve young in his early years as a quarterback, when they said for him to be, you know, that, that next level guy, he needs to remain a passer and use that running ability. A when it's a called quarterback run and B when everything breaks down, but if you got a shot down the field, and there were four shots in the Nevada game that would have made a difference in that game. Uh, mm -hmm. There was a couple shots in the Washington game that would have made a huge difference in that game. There were, there were things in the Oregon game where if we just complete a couple passes, um, it would have been the difference maker in those games. And so 
you know, he's moving on, but we're going to have to see, he's going to have to take that next step and remain a passer for as long as possible and, and go away from that running. That was kind of his first instinct. If one wasn't open, tuck it down and run it, feel that pressure and escape. And so had he been a little more comfortable in the pocket, I think it would have been a better year overall for the bears. Yeah. Yeah. Agree with that. I, I got three comments around the, the quarterback play. Let, let me start with, I don't think Cal could have had a better representative and leader than, than Chase Garbers. Just one of those kids that everybody likes. He's tough as nails play through almost any injury that you could imagine, any amount of pain, as you said, a dynamic runner and, and, and large parts of the last couple of years, his legs were the offense. Uh, key third downs, conversions uh, over and over again. And if he was in rhythm and if he had a little bit of, of comfort in the pocket, he could hurt you through the air. And he did at times, as you mentioned in, in the TCU game and the Stanford game in particular. Um, there's a lot we will miss about not having Chase Garbers take snaps. I think where he struggled, and you mentioned it a little bit, I don't know whether some of it was a little of that post-traumatic stress disorder from the, the lack of pass protection that he saw, particularly in the COVID year last year and, and back to his freshman year in, in particular, that made it hard for him to want to step up in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield. And then, you know, he's a quarterback that didn't want to make a mistake. And he's in a system with Wilcox and the quality of the defense where turnovers get compounded, right? And so he would hold the ball and you would see him for times have an open receiver, but just hesitate just that little bit of time that, that made the window get closed. And I think, you know, it negatively impacted our ability to fully exploit the opportunities we had. In his defense, we still didn't have pristine pass protection this year, especially after Will Craig went down. Um, and I got nothing but, but accolades to say about him. I think that the third point I'll make is, um, you know, I know it was a single game with Arizona, but it manifested itself a little bit more broadly over the last couple of years. We didn't see much of the rest of the quarterback room in the last two years. We haven't seen a lot of clear quality depth emerge or even the younger talent get a time to take some snaps and establish themselves. And I think if there's, if there's one constructive criticism of, of Musgrave and Wilcox over the last couple of years, it's been the recruiting and the establishment of that room so that you have really good second and third options and you're giving time to younger quarterbacks so that when Chase leaves, as he is, um, you feel more comfortable about what's coming back. Uh, well, agreed in terms of not getting guys playing time. And I go back to what I you know, said about situational. You know, the Bears were in so many games right down to the final seconds this year that it's hard to get any backups playing time. Uh, you know, the one game, Arizona, is one game where I thought maybe you'd take another look at somebody uh, because you were down. Glover came in, did his best, but he, you know, he wasn't, he didn't get it done. That's, that's what it comes down to with that position. You got to get it done. He wasn't getting it done. And so maybe, and I'm sure that the coaches thought about this and the whole nine yards, it, it's gone through their head. You can, you can always, what if a game after the fact, when you look at film, but uh, I would like to have seen somebody in that Arizona game in terms of, recruiting and depth of the position, the whole nine yards, we got to remember that Bill Musgrave is in year two. So he's just getting his second quarterback in this year as a coach in terms of his recruiting. And so we'll see what route that goes with the transfer portal possibilities, you know, high school kids. We still, we got through the early signing period, but we haven't gotten through that secondary, the final signing period. And so we'll see what kind of recruiting he does at that position. Uh, Jim thoughts from you on the quarterback spot. You know, Chase, when he was good, he was good. And we had a lot of good years with him here, but <clears throat> it seemed like feast or famine. I mean, 
you just can't have quarterback games like the Nevada game or the Oregon game or the Washington State game or the UCLA game where your quarterback play gives you virtually no chance to win. You have to have at least a minimal level of expectation out of the quarterback position to make you competitive game in and game out. And I just don't feel like he brought that when he was in the wrong position. And you can look at each game and say, well, it was because of this and this game, because of that and that game. But, you know, he's a fourth year starting quarterback and, and you've got to be able to adjust to those situations. He saw a different look that he wasn't used to against Nevada. Well, you can't abandon a major chunk of your offense to work around that. I mean, you're under pressure against Washington State. Uh, UCLA is doing some stuff to, that the offensive line is having a tough time combating. What do you do to get beyond that? You, you don't turtle up and not move the ball. I mean, it, it's just it's impossible to overcome when you don't get production out of your quarterback. So I would like to see whoever the next guy is to be a guy that can navigate those more difficult situations, limit the mistakes and keep the team moving forward, even if he's not on the top of his game. And we didn't see that all the time from Chase this year. It was sort of like a two on one off situation with him. Yeah. And it's, you know, people, when they think of great quarterbacks, they think of the deep post route, right. Or the seam route down the middle to win the game. But what makes great quarterbacks great is every down play, right? Third and three, I'm completing the shoot route. I find the open guy and I, and I, I, I drop it off, you know, whatever that is. And so those little things that would keep drives going, which would change the entire dynamic of a game, three and out is a big time emotional momentum killer. And so keeping a team on the field, driving the ball, moving it, changing field position, those were the things to me, as much as missing shots, and there were some shots, but as much as missing that, it was when it's just being efficient, not being great, just being efficient to get the ball down to your checkdowns, to the open guy, to finding the open guy, to understanding what you're seeing. Um, that's, that's where that position has to pick up. And like Greg said, you know, Chase has been you know, the leader of the quarterback at Cal for four years and we appreciate him for it. I don't want him to feel like we don't appreciate him for it. I'm just critiquing the position as a quarterback myself. I've made some of those mistakes. Um, and I understand what it's like. You just have to be able to correct those mistakes. And once you make them once you can't make them again. And so there were some repeat mistakes and, and things that could have, could have changed the outcome of several games. Um, you know, but it, it was where it was. And so, uh, that's the offense. It's kind of a whole look at the offense. Let's take a look at the whole picture now, kind of looking back on the whole season, thoughts on that from an offensive standpoint. And Jim, I, I got you last on quarterbacks. Let's start with you. Offensively, the team did more than they they did the prior year. And I, I think that they they were more productive in a lot of ways. But like you said about the ability to continue to move the chains, they lacked that so much of the year. So much of the continuity was was missing in those games where, where things weren't rolling for them. And it's surprising. I mean, if you if you say that you you've got a, a veteran trio of receivers back, a four-year starter back and quarterback, five running backs that are over five yards per carry, you think, well, it's got to be a pretty good offensive year. It was better, but just not enough. When they were in adverse situations, they, they couldn't get it done. So it, it was sort of an anomaly this year. Um, you would have thought they would have been a lot better than they actually were in the end product. Bottom line, five wins is completely unacceptable. Not with this experience. Greg? Yeah, you know, I think there was a lot to like in the improvement. You saw the physical nature, um, the multi, um, uh, you know, uh, formation 
approach of Musgrave be effective? The establishments of tight ends as a weapon in the run game. And if you could have gotten the passing game to be more consistent, I think in the passing game, all of which I think bode well for the future. I think the disappointments were the consistency of the passing game and the red zone. We just didn't score as many points. There's a lot of numbers that look good on offense. The one that didn't look that good was point score. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what your offense is out there to do is to score points. It's not to get first downs, convert third downs, or average five yards of carry. It's, it's to get in the end zone. I think, you know, the offensive coordinator is oftentimes an easy scapegoat, but the more I went back and looked at film and the more I think about the things that I expect out of the offensive coordinator, initial game planning, utilizing the talent, putting them in positions where they can succeed, calling plays that set up plays that are going to work. Um, the, the long pass to, to at TCU, that, that was a setup play. They, they did a bunch of things formationally to get TCU in the position where Clark was going to come free on that slant, and there was no one there. I, I was really impressed with Bill Musgrave. I, I think if you look at the teaching, if you look at the player development, and you look at the play calling, it bodes well for the future, and I'm excited to have Bill back next year. So I agree with you 100% on this. And I said it every single week on the broadcast because I saw people out there that were giving Musgrave heat. And just like the quarterback, when the offense isn't performing, he's going to get a lot of heat because he's the offensive coordinator. But he dialed up some fantastic games this year. I mean, really good games with the opportunity for success. The biggest thing for me in terms of offense is the consistency on the little downs that you forget about later. Not, not just running the ball, but the little the, the, the second and three where you should have it. It's first down, staying on schedule, getting four yards, completing that first down play action pass uh, and making something happen there. Those, those were the difference maker in the offense this year, really. There were shots over the top. And, there, you know, the Washington State game kind of left me scratching my head until I went back and watched film. And, and there were times when you're like, hmm, that didn't look really clean. UCLA, you know, same thing. Um, but it's the little downs. It's the ones that people kind of write off thinking, oh, we'll come back and get the next series. Well, you need to move a change. You need to stay on schedule. You need to get that first down run. You need to complete the three-yard pass. You know, all of those things are huge because if you're not completing those, now people pack the box. Now you can't run the ball. And then what? It's either, you know, max protect, take a shot, or pound your head against a rock and try to run the ball inside. And so you have to have the opportunity to use your passing game like the running game to spread defenses out, to make them do things that they don't want to do. People think about defense as the aggressive side of the football, but it's not. Offense, if you are aggressive and you're going after people, you're giving them different looks, you're completing those easy passes, it puts the defense on its heels and you dictate the pace of the game to that defense. And I think the efficiency is, is where I'd like to see the improvement. And I, and I think another year in the system, guys understanding it better, understanding what Bill's thinking when he's calling plays so that they're on the same page with him having having quarterback play where I'm not trying to make everything happen. I'm, I don't feel like everything's on my shoulders all the time, but I'm just completing the dink and dunk and then taking my shots. If you have that all come together, I think the offense stands a really good chance of being really good next year because tight ends, fullbacks, that's Cal football at its finest. Air Raid was great, and I loved watching it with Jared Goff, and it was always exciting, but every game was exciting because we could either win it or lose it in the last second. With Bill's offense, if you are consistent and you're running the ball well and you're taking what they give you in the passing game, then 
you stand a chance to have a two touchdown win, a three touchdown win where you, you dominate the game because you keep your offense on the field. What do you think would, would have been a, a more reliable way to be a, a move the chain offense through the passing game when you needed to pick up those, you know, those third and fours, um, obviously so many times the dump offs just got stopped dead in their tracks. Yeah. I look, I'll comment a little bit. Mike jump in two things jump out to me. I just thought it was a great point because it's not one that was in the front of my mind when you think about the offense, but as soon as you say it, um, it, it's one of those epiphanies that immediately you realize it's true. We, we made a lot of, in my mind, some not so great pre-snap reads on those short yardage downs or those play action passes. But a lot of times that was where Chase was at his worst. He'd get a little off balance. He'd leave the ball on the ground. He'd throw it a little high on a play. You have to make 99 out of hundred times. And we just didn't do it consistently. And so, yes, hundred percent, Greg agreed, Jim. The other one is to be there on time. The reason our checkdowns were tackled right away is because our progression didn't get Chase didn't get his progression to his eyes, to his receiver on time. And there's a rhythm to every single play in terms of getting that ball out. And whether it's a pure progression, whether it's a defensive key read progression, you have to understand that rhythm. So don't have a deep shot. Don't have the mid route, drop it down instead of don't have a deep shot, hang, hang, hang on the deep shot, not then check it down late. That's not the rhythm because everybody's pushed off deep. And then all of a sudden I'm left to scramble. Well, people are starting to pull up because defense feels that pressure too. Now you've got guys in position to make tackles or they recognize, Ooh, the back is out and they react up to be in position to make that tackle. And so it's all about timing on defense. This is what I was talking about in terms of, you know, the synchronicity, the, the chemistry of an offense timing is everything in the passing game and being on time, not hanging on routes, not abandoning routes early. Like there, there's a method to it that you have to, you have to understand, you have to feel it as a quarterback in terms of when I'm checking down, when I'm getting the ball out, when I'm throwing downfield. And that's the difference maker. So many times you watch film and it was hang on the deep ball, hang on the deep ball. And then right through read number two to read number three, instead of deep ball, mid route, check down and, and progressions are built with a quarterback's eyes to move people as well. So I'm, as I'm progressing through a route, I may be looking over here and defense is starting to move with me and that's pulling them off of my second route. And when I get my eyes to my second route, now guys react to where my eyes go because linebackers are taught to read eyes. DBs are taught to read eyes. And then once my eyes come there, it's not there. Boom. Down to my check down. Well, everybody's pushed off now because my eye progression has taken them where they are out of position for my dump off. And so getting that rhythm down is a huge difference maker it's, I couldn't explain it on the radio in terms of like going that in depth. So I love the fact that we have this podcast, but, but that is a huge piece of why the checkdowns weren't working this year. They were there. It was right. Just have to get into that rhythm, into that timing to make it happen. So there's some other routes that are more effective to pick up those, those short yardage situations. Oh, I think the stuff that was called would have been effective. If we were on time, it, it would have been effective. And, and if we use the right eye progression, the right timing, I think we would have gotten a lot of a third down. You don't get everything, but we would have gotten a lot more than we did uh, in terms of getting through that route. And again, in fairness, it was only Chase's second year, couldn't install the whole package first year because it was COVID year. And so teaching was different and he didn't get to execute it on the field with teammates, didn't get to practice it, no spring ball. So this was really the first full year in the offense uh, with full immersion. 
but, but there's a rhythm that, that you have to understand as a quarterback and you push people off and understand how to use your eyes to move people around the field, to get that dump off pass. And, and you may know going in thinking it's third down and 11, third down and eight, these guys are going to be playing the sticks, meaning playing at depth of the route. So I want to push these guys onto my vertical routes to check it down on time. And that's the thinking that has to happen as a quarterback, an understanding, a feel for the flow of the game to be able to make those work. But I think, like I said, I think Billy dialed up some fantastic games. I think most of his games were fantastic from a play calling uh, position, because as I watched film on it, I'm like, yep, there it is. Yep. There it is. And that, and, and understanding that flow and that rhythm, it would have made a huge difference. This was a ton of fun. Can't wait to talk some defense. Jim, Greg, as always, thank you guys. Awesome. Doing this all year long with you guys. Uh, Offense. You know, it's kind of my specialty. We'll talk defense next week and I can talk more as a fan, you know, being a quarterback about the guys that we like playing on the field for everybody at home. Appreciate you guys listening. Obviously comment down below. We'll try to get to your comments and we'll talk a little bit more about this. I'm sure you'll have some interesting takes that we didn't even touch on here today, but I appreciate you watching for Bear Insider. I am Mike Pulaski. This has been the ultimate insider. And as always, go Bears.